Amen. Amen. Um, at this time, we uh, released the hounds. Toddlers pre-K that way, K through fifth grade that way. Awesome. Hey, uh, I, I don't know what you thought of that last song we sang. I know she'll hate me saying it, but uh, that last song, uh, my daughter Leela wrote that last song. You know, it's a... And you can hate me later, hate me later, but I'm a proud dad. That's a good one right there, let me tell you. Um, so y'all doing okay? Y'all good? You glad to be here? Are you thankful for his grace and his mercy and his peace and the living hope that he gives you? Are you thankful for the future that he has for us in heaven one day? You know, we serve a great and powerful and amazing God. I mean, think about it. Right now, we're on this massive rock, <laughs> somehow suspended in space, spinning 1,000 miles per hour, curling around the sun at 186,000 miles per hour, and yet somehow God holds it all together. And that's the God that we're worshiping right now. A God who spoke everything into existence with just a single word. Man, I love God, and I love his church. Amen? Now, this morning, we're going to be unpacking the, our fifth core value. Uh, we practice excellence and faithful stewardship. Before we go there, I kind of want to give you a heads up what's going on in the month of June. All right? Uh, tomorrow, I'm having eye surgery. Um, I've had this issue for eight years with double vision. If I want to increase church attendance, I just lean my head that way and it just doubled, right? And that's the truth, right? You all got two heads, right? Some, whoa, some of you still do, right? I'm, I'm not kidding you. I have this issue with double vision for eight years. I can look at my notes sometimes and everything doesn't line up. And they're going in to cut the muscle in my right eye, move it, and put it back together again so that it works, right? So I'll be praying about that. Um, uh, and which is going to be the opportunity to have couple other people speak here. Um, Mark Coffey's been here before. He's with Waypoint Church Planners. He's going to be here next week. I'll be here too, but just here with you guys out there. And maybe, yeah, that's my wife. Okay, just remember that maybe, baby. All right. And, and, our, <laughs> and our guest speaker um, the week following on Father's Day be Neil Wheeler from Waypoint, another great guy. Okay. And then, then uh, on the 27th, we're going to have uh, the final message, message number 15. Who knew we'd have 15 messages? You guys probably did, because that's the way I am, right? But it's going to call Pursue, and it's going to be the final message in our series, This Is. And a message about you and I, okay, am I really going to, we've been talking about it, but are we going to individually and collectively commit to resetting who we are and what God has called us to be? And, and I, I do want to let you guys know that this past week I, um, I, I changed Zoom has changed a lot of things. It makes you realize you can do things differently than before. And, and uh, I used to do a membership class. I've been doing a membership class for 10, 20 years you know, in ministry, maybe longer than that, and, and, and uh, like a two, three hours on a Sunday. And, and what I've decided to do now is I'm going to put together a, a brief 20-minute video about what we are as a church. You watch that video at your leisure, right? In your hot tub, wherever, right? On a cruise ship with your friends. And then, and then, and then you'll get with me and say, okay, here's what you basically are as a church, and I'll come over to your house, or you'll take me out to uh, Bruton's Grill that has some really great food, right? I love seafood, and, and we'll talk about the church, right? Because uh, I think that's a lot easier than saying, hey, 
because things happen, right? You come to church on Sunday, and I say, hey, you want to hang out till 3 o'clock? You're like, sounds good until Sunday comes along, and that's a very long day. Like, our life group does our life group meetings by Zoom, and uh, one of my members, uh, DJ, had to take his daughter somewhere, but because we were on Zoom, though, he stayed on his phone on his drive-in, and he stayed in our life group while driving in his car. You know, you, you can't do that, right? And so, it's taught us to do things some different ways that are really, really good, okay? And so, be looking for that video, but if you've... Yeah, this is a day when if, you, you know, on, on the 27th, we're, we're going to commit, right? And, and if you want to be a member, you can contact me even before the video, all right? And also on the 27th, it's a big deal. We're having a baptism Sunday. And, and, uh, and one of the reasons to have it connected with our series is because baptism aligns perfectly with our vision, our mission, and our core values. I mean, our vision statement is following Christ in life-changing community, right? So our vision is to follow Christ, to, to be like Christ, to do what Christ did, to uh, obey what Christ said. And was Jesus ever baptized? Absolutely, right? Read about it in the, in the first three Gospels. John the Baptist is out there in the desert doing his thing, preaching the gospel, telling people to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins because the kingdom is near. And then one day Jesus shows up and John is like, hey, I'm not worthy to, to baptize you. And Jesus replies, it should be done, for you must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him, all right? And following Christ and life-changing community. So what about this life-changing thing? Well, Paul in Romans 6 talks about a life change that happens when someone is baptized. Uh, check out this verse. The next one. There you go. I love those guys back there. He, anyone working the slides with me is, is a saint. Is a saint. I jump all around. All right. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And were that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so, so part of this life change, right, is we get to live a, a new life. And, and notice he says that we're, we're baptized into Christ. We're once out of Christ and now we're in Christ. And being in Christ is like a really, really good thing. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So there's that life change thing. And then you know, following Christ and life change in community. You know, how is baptism connected to community? Well, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. When we're baptized, we become part of the body of Christ. And it's also, what about our mission statement? Jesus said to go to make disciples. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And throughout the book of Acts, we see Jesus guys doing just that, baptizing and teaching. Acts 2.38 
Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we read in Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, he's teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. In Acts 8, 36 through 38, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water, what, why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. In Acts 18, verse 8, Cyprus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were, were baptized, all right? And, and so, in the book of Acts, we see that believing and repenting and hearing the good news and accepting the message and baptism are like they're connected, they're, they're intertwined, they're linked together. Well, why do we practice baptism at Maple Grove? And by the way, we do it by immersion because that word baptize, every time you see the word baptize in the Bible, it is a Greek word baptizo, which means to dip, plunge, or immerse, right? Um, uh, what they did when they translated the word baptizo, they made up a, a new word, baptize, right? It's called a transliteration, not a translation. It's where you take an English-sounding word, a, a Greek word, and you make up a, a brand new word. But the word literally means to dip the plunge or to immerse. And so baptism is a big deal because our number one core value says we honor biblical authority, you know? And so if the Bible says it, right, we want to follow it. And since baptism is a big deal to God, it's a big deal to us. First uh, Peter 3.21 says, And this water, the waters of the flood, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not to remove dirt from the body. And there's no magic in the water, but there's magic in faith and obedience, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if... You believe in Jesus and have not been baptized, have not been immersed in, into Christ. I just want to ask you the question that a guy asked Paul one day, a guy named Ananias. And he says, now what are you waiting for? I, I talked to a young man up front last week. He said, he said I'm trying to figure out what I'm waiting for. And, he, and he's, he's been thinking it through all week long and getting back to me. He's doing some studies on it. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. And wash your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. So you can do it on the 27th, and, and uh, you can do it today. You can do it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Call me up, and, and, and we'll make it happen anytime, place. But, you know, think about it. Any questions, please ask me about it. But it's an awesome thing to be buried with Christ and rise and live a new life. Amen? Again, core value number five. We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. But before we go there... Uh, we're going to do something. It won't take long, but it's going to be, like, really awesome. Um, find one of these cars on, your, on a seat around you somewhere. And on the back of this card, you know, I, I took most of the prayers that Paul prayed for other people. You know, I, I kind of printed them all out and tried to categorize them. And I found three, I found three categories. And I wanted to give them a name. So I call them pop prayers. Paul, Paul's other people prayers, okay? So I have to have a name for things. So this is pop prayers. And, and, and what I want to encourage you to do just for like the next minute, 
is to look around this room and, and pick one or two people, and you would just say their name, and, say, and you'll, you know, I pray that blank would know God better. I pray that they would know the hope and spiritual riches that they have. So pick someone in this room, and they're going to turn the lights down a little bit for me, and just take a moment just to pray for somebody, okay? One or two people. Pray these prayers. Father, I pray that we as a church would know you better. I pray that we would know the hope and spiritual riches that we have in Christ. I pray that we would know the power that is available to us as a member of your family. I pray that we would know and plunge the depth of your love for us. I pray, Father, that we would know what is right and what is wrong and always choose the right. I pray, Father, that we in this room would live a life that pleases you and that is fruitful for you. I pray that we in this room would live a life that is abounding more and more and more and more in love. I pray that we would live a life that is actively sharing your faith. Father, I pray that we in this room would have great endurance and patience because the road gets tough at times. I pray that we would have joy and peace no matter what this world throws at us and find our peace in you. Father, I pray that we would have the inner strength that is ours because of what you've accomplished and because of your spirit that resides inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you guys would stand with me for a second, we're going to do some jumping jacks and some eight-count bodybuilders. No, actually. Amen. Hey, great job. Great job. Amen. Hey, I'm going to pray us into our study today. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, your grace, your mercy, your love. And Father, I pray that we would lean into your word because your word is life and that we would listen alive and actively because your word is alive and active. I pray that because of what we're doing here, there will be a difference out there for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we practice excellence and, and, and faithful stewardship. And, and uh, in the fall of 2013, like 20 plus people spent two days in prayer coming up with every single, every single word was thought through, right? And so, you know, the word we is important, right? Because that means, the word we means that this applies to you and me, to the leaders, to the person, to your right and to your left. That's us. Now, the word practice is a verb. It means to do something regularly or consistently as an ordinary part of your life, to do something habitually or as a practice, to perform, to follow, to observe, to pursue, to work at. And with that definition in mind, what is it that we are to perform, observe, pursue, follow, work at, and do regularly and habitually as a part of our everyday lives? Excellence and faithful stewardship. Now, when you hear the words excellence and faithful stewardship, what thoughts come into your mind? Do you like the thoughts that come to your mind? Uh, what do these terms actually mean? Does excellence and faithful stewardship, does it matter? I mean, like, like why should it even be a, a core value? Does God care about excellence? Does he care about faithful stewardship? And, and the way we're going to break this down is, is by unpacking two statements. One is excellence is doing our, our best for God, and faithful stewardship is giving our best to God. So excellence, doing our, our best for God. 
I mean, does excellence matter to God? Is he concerned about how things are done? Like, does it make any difference to God whether or not the grass has been cut, the bathrooms are clean, that those on the worship team have rehearsed their songs and tuned their instruments, uh, that those working with students and children are prepared and positive? Uh, does it make any difference that those running the slides and creating the slides and doing the lights are doing it to the best of their ability? Does it make any difference to God that you and I standing worship him that we're, we're doing our, our very best, giving our very best? Uh, does it matter to God whether or not I put any time into my message or I just say, whatever it is, I, I've been doing this for a long time, I think I'll just wing it this week. Now some would say, well, not really because all God cares about is the heart, right? I mean, God is not interested in the... It's man that's interested in the outward appearance. God cares about the heart. He, he doesn't care about flashy audio visuals and slick programming. He just cares about what's in the heart. And I'd say, well, yeah, he does care about the heart, but those other things matter because those other things are an expression of our heart. You see, the way we serve God the way we serve God in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families, the way we live out our faith, the, the level of commitment that you and I have to doing things well, honoring God in every area of our lives, reveals, number one, what's in our heart, and number two, how much we actually value God. Here are, here are several foundational scriptures for, for excellence. Uh, and whatever you, there must be a word left out of there. Whatever you do, whatever you, yo, talk about excellence, right? I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> right. I wish it was. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How hilarious is that? Does it matter if it's excellent? Does it matter when you put scriptures on the screen, Steve, that you don't leave words out? <laughs> yeah, it does, but sorry. <laughs> Colossians. 3, 23 through 25. Now I'm scared to death. Um, <laughs> and all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be paid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And then finally, in, in Ecclesiastes, whatever you work, whatever work you do, do your best. Because you're going to the grave, <laughs> where there's no working, no planning, no knowledge, and no wisdom. And remember, if you're going to work hard for God and do your best, the clock is ticking. The sands are running out, right? And there's going to come a time when you and I are, will no longer have the opportunity to do our best, to do our best when we can. Uh, a few things about excellence um, and why it matters. Number one, excellence honors God. It honors God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, Solomon is preparing to build the temple for God, and, and he's gathering together. First, he gathers together, together 70,000 men to carry in the finest building materials available. And then he drafts 80,000 men to go on the hillside and to cut the very best stones for the foundation of the temple. He even sends letters to various kings saying, hey, I need your most skilled craftsmen to come help me do this. And then he makes this powerful statement. The temple I'm going to build will be great because God is greater than all other gods. In other words, 
God deserves the best because he is the best. It's going to be great because God is great. And as we continue in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, Solomon realizes, he says this, who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. Who then am I to build a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices before him? He's like, hey, if I build this thing, I know God can't really live here. He's never going to live. The best we can do is offer sacrifices for him. But did that stop him from doing his best? Absolutely not. The very next verse says this. He, he, he writes a letter to the king of Tyre, King Aram, saying, Send me, therefore, a man skilled to work in gold and silver and bronze and iron and in purple and crimson and blue yarn and, and experience in the art of engraving. Send me also cedar and pine and logs from Lebanon, for I know your men are skilled in cutting timber there. My men will work with yours, provide me with plenty of lumber, because the temple I build must be large and magnificent. The temple I build must be large and magnificent. Why? Because my God is large and magnificent. Amen? Excellent matters because it honors God, and our God deserves our honor. Uh, check out what Psalm 46 reads. And if you guys would stand... We're going to do, I'm going to read the first verse, you read the second verse. Great is the Lord, he's most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. Honor and majesty surround him, strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. My line, your line. Tell all the nations the Lord Tell all the nations the Lord Tell all who doubt him, who criticize him Tell our crazy culture that doesn't like him. The Lord Amen. He does. Amen. You can be seated. It honors God and excellent underscores value. Now, there are many things in life that people do their best in and strive for excellence. Playing sports, maintaining their lawn, restoring a car, playing an instrument, being physically fit, decorating their homes, raising a family, being a husband, building a business, achieving in a career, Saving and investing, getting an education, cooking a meal. And, and I'm not saying that those things do not have value. But listen, if what we believe is true, if Jesus did what he said he did, and, the church, and if the church really is the hope of the world, and if our message really does change where people spend forever, that no activity on the face of this planet deserves more of our excellence, deserves more of our best than the church. Amen? I mean, if it's true. If it's not true, let's just go home, right? You know, if Baal is Baal, serve him, right? But if God is God, go all in and go crazy. See, there's only one cause worthy of every ounce of our work, devotion, labor, sacrifice, suffering, and dedication. 
There's only one cause worthy of giving up and pouring out our lives every day. And that's the cause of loving and serving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and expanding his kingdom. Our bodies will age and eventually fall apart. No matter how many gym memberships you have, no matter how healthy you eat, guess what? You're going to get old, and the older you get, the more things fall apart. And I find about that more and more every stinking day. Your perfect lawn's going to get weeds, right? Businesses come and they go. And you will not take a single dollar that you invest or save into heaven with you. All those things are temporary. Not bad, they're just temporary. And God's kingdom is eternal. And those who live their lives for him will live for eternity with him in a world that will blow our minds. Amen? Amen. Excellence honors God, underscores value, and inspires people. When Solomon built his temple with excellency, he wanted to attract people to his God. He, he wanted their hearts to skip a beat. He, he wanted them to do a double take. He wanted them to taste something of the greatness of God. He, he wanted them to know that they were in a place that matters because the one it was built for matters. In like matter, when we value excellence as Solomon did, it not only makes a statement about the kind of God we worship, but also the level of our commitment we have for that God. When people walk in or drive onto our campus, we want them to know they're in a place that matters because the one this place is for matters and matters greatly. Excellent inspires people. When you walk in a place that practices excellence, are you inspired? Like Disney, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, a COI Move Conference, a Chick-fil-A, right? Hey, I was in a Fort Worth McDonald's about... 12 years ago, and they were doing training, and I overheard the guy talking to a group of people saying, there's no reason we can't be like Chick-fil-A. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I text Walter, hey, Walter, check this out. Look at this dude just said. We, there's no reason we can't do things like that, right? It inspires people. And not just the people visiting, but the people that are on the team. Now, you may hate them, but the Patriots are an excellent football team, you know? And when people come there, they recognize, hey, this is a level of excellence. There's an expectation there. It's great to be part of that culture. It honors God, underscores value, inspires people, and it's not perfectionism. There's a difference, right? And some of you need to lean in because there may be a perfectionist or two in this room, all right? And the best way to show the difference is with a contrast, all right? Perfectionists value themselves by what they do. Pursuers of excellence value themselves by who they are. Perfectionists get depressed and give up. Pursuers of excellence may experience disappointment, but they keep on going. Perfectionists are devastated by failure. Pursuers of excellence learn from failure. Perfectionists remember mistakes and and dwell on them. Pursuers of excellence correct mistakes and then learn from them. Perfectionists can only live with being number one. Pursuers of excellence are happy with being number two if they know they have tried their best. Perfectionists hate criticism. Pursuers of excellence welcome criticism. Perfectionists fear excellence is risk. Perfectionists control excellence is spontaneous. Perfection is judgment. Excellence is accepting. Perfection is taking. Excellence is giving. Perfection is doubt. Excellence is confidence. Perfection is pressure. Excellence is flowing. Perfection is a destination. Excellence is a journey. Big difference. 
See, when I say excellence, I'm not wanting us to create a, a bunch of, you know, everything's got to be perfect nutcases around here, right? That's not what we want to create. Because guess what? You're going you're gonna to leave a word out of a slide every now and then, right? Something's going to go wrong sometime. That's not what I'm talking about, right? You will never achieve perfection. But as Lynch, Vince Lombardi said, if we chase after perfection, we just might wind up reaching excellence, right? A couple quotes here. Aristotle said, excellence is never an accident. Is always a result of high intention, sincere effort, and intelligent execution. It, repre it represents a wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Aristotle also said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. And Leo Malone, my dad, always said, Anything worth doing is worth doing right. And I watched my 70-year-old dad with a dustbuster vacuuming chairs on pews at church saying, Dad, you do that every week. What really could be on those pews? And he said, Stevie, if anything's worth doing, it is worth doing right. Right? That's excellence. It's also not an option. Right? Whatever you do. Hey, the word do came back. Woo! <laughs> I know you returned. Welcome back. That's right. <laughs> if you're visiting and in line, hey, what can I say? Whatever you do, whether word or do, do it all in his name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. If it bears his name, it deserves your best. If it bears his name, it deserves your best. And next, excellence, it's not easy. It takes hard work, Right? It takes hard work to get good grades, to be physically fit, to excel in your job, to have a great marriage. It takes hard work. It's not easy. It also requires daily diligence, right? Imagine if this spring you decided you're going to go all out on your lawn, right? Mulching, planting, trimming, fertilizing, seeding. I've, I know nothing about a good lawn. I just cut my lawn, right? If it's green, I cut it, right? You know, but just, you all out. It looks beautiful. Not a weed in sight, beautiful bushes, right? You look back and go, yeah, I got to put that on Facebook and Instagram, right? You know, is taking care of your lawn, is that over? Did it end just then? You've only just begun, right? It's, it's going to go on and on, right? Weeds are going to come up. It takes daily upkeep, right? Just because it was excellent then doesn't mean it stays that way. Did you know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still having training camp even though they won the Super Bowl, right? Because, it, it, yeah, they were excellent last year, but it doesn't stay that way, right? So it takes daily, a good, you may have had a great marriage for five years, but if you don't do daily upkeep, and some of you maybe need to do it, Upgrade on your upkeep, right? You got to keep working at it in order for it to keep going well. Daily diligence, and it requires and needs honest and regular evaluation. Like, hey, how are we doing? Right? If we're, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? Are we doing, doing our best? And let me tell you what this evaluation is not. This regular evaluation is not. By that, I don't mean a bunch of fans sitting in the stands doing nothing but criticizing the people in the field taking hits. That's not what I'm talking about, right? If you're not in, in, the, in between the chalk line taking hits, pretty much, pretty much, you can fill in the blank, right? That's not, because oh, it's easy, right? Isn't it easy to criticize when you're not doing it? 
Well, if I was doing that, well, why don't you do it? Well, I'd do a better job. If I was on the prayer scene, if I was doing the slide, if I, well, then why don't you do it? If I was cutting the grass, if I was doing well, then, then why don't you do it, right? So I'm just talking, let's just be honest. Hey, are we doing a good job? Are we doing our best? How can we do better? It's a question we've got to keep asking. We may be doing well today, but if we don't ask those questions, we may not be doing well tomorrow. Hope that makes sense, right? Excellence is, is, is doing our best for God, and faithful stewardship is giving our best to God. Faithful stewardship. How are you feeling? Does that just stir your heart? Does it make you anxious? Like, where is he going with this one, right? Faithful stewardship, giving our best to God. You know, a stewardship is acting as a surrogate for another, especially by managing their property, finances, or resources. Overseeing or protecting something considered worth caring for and preserving. Careful management of something entrusted to one's care. And, and, and there's a parable, and you know it, and you can read it this week. I'm not going to for the, the sake of T-I-M-E. That spells time. And, <laughs> yeah, it does. It's one of those four-letter words. And, and it's in Matthew 25, 4 through 30. It's when Jesus parable of the talents. He gives a guy five, a guy two, and a guy one. Five and two guy rocket. The one guy kind of doesn't do so good, buries it. Master comes back, kind of upset, and things go well for the five and two, not so well for the guy who hit it. And it's a parable about us and the kingdom, how Jesus has given us each talents and opportunities and abilities and time, and he wants to know how well we're going to do with it, right? And so some truths just from that parable, okay? I summarize it. You can read it. Um, number one, God owns everything. Uh, it says he called his servants and, and entrusted his money to them, entrusted his money to them, right? Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. See, the only reason you have time and talent and abilities and intellect and opportunities and the breath in your lungs is because God gave it to you. Amen? Everything is from him, right? You ain't self-made, right? Did you create your body? Did you create your brain? Did, did you form yourself in your own mother's womb? No, everything we, we have is from God, right? Everything we have is from God. God owns everything. Number two, God has entrusted some of his stuff to us, right? You know, a steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages, it's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets and carry out his will, okay? Uh, we are managers, not owners. Repeat after me. I own nothing. I own nothing. Do we believe that? It's true, right? Everything is from God. Uh, God has given each of us different stuff. I love the word stuff. You know, some got five, some got two, some got one, each according to their abilities, Right? Okay. each according to their abilities. We're all different, right? We're not equal in the sense that we have equal talent and abilities, right? You know, we're equal in value and worth as a person, but we have different abilities, and, and God knows that, and he gives us gifts and opportunities according to those abilities, right? And, and, uh, and except for time each day, right, we have all different gifts and abilities, and and, and here's something I want you to think about that 
that, that sometimes faithful stewards, that since we have different abilities, some people can like wing it and do better than somebody else who did their best. But that's not being excellent, right? That's not being faithful to our gifts, right? Because it's about, it's about doing and giving our best to him. A fourth truth we see, God is returning to subtle accounts. <laughs> How long? Uh, I'm getting close. Yeah? All right. I know, Gabriel. Yep. Chill, chill. Michael, knock it off. Don't tell the Father yet. No, okay. <laughs> okay. God is returning to subtle accounts. Like, if you got a letter in the mail today, I mean, even if you're honest, it would scare the death out of you. Ah. Uh, from the IRS that says, hey, we're going to audit you. Would that like, would anybody feel anxious? I would, right? Like, I don't know where I put anything, right? That would make me anxious. But I'm here to tell you that one day there's going to be a divine audit from God. And where God's going to say to me, Steve, I gave you time. I gave you abilities. I gave you opportunities. What did, you do with, what did you do with what I gave you? And he'd be like, yeah, I, I was, well, I'm okay that you used some of it for you, but was it primarily used for me and in my glory, right? And, and knowing that one day, I mean, everybody that's ever sucked air on this planet, right? Everybody. From the homeless guy to Jeff Bezos and his $500 million new yacht with this 870 $187 billion in the bank, everyone, obscure or famous, everyone who's ever sucked air on this planet will one day stand before God and give account of how they use what God has given them. And I hope that will motivate you and I. And then God expects our best, right? He doesn't expect more than our best, but he expects our best. Like he didn't, he didn't go to the two-talent guy. Like, yo, what's up with you? Only two talents? This guy got five. No, no. You use what you had for the best of your ability. We're good, right? All he wants is your best. You know, like as a parent, that's all I, like for my kids in grades, I wanted your best. You know what? You know, if, if a C is your best, a C is okay. But if an A is your best and you get a C, that is so, 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 not okay, right? Not okay at all. Not okay. Just your best, right? Not everybody's going to get C's in God's kingdom. Not everybody's going to get A's. All God wants is your best, and there's not a single person who can't do their best, right? Everybody can do their best. That's what I love about it. God's not asking C students to be A students. He said, Here's what I gave you. Use what I gave you to the best of your ability. He just expects our best, right? And, and when we don't give him our best, it, it doesn't, he doesn't like it. Can I just say that? It just doesn't make him happy. You know, he got upset with that servant, right? He just wants your best. And, and that's what you just got to ask yourself, right? Because the audit's coming for me and for you, right? And I got to say, Wow. You know, have I given God the best of my, my money and my resources? Have I really done that? Have you? I mean, one day you're going to stand before him, and you're not going to con him. You're not going to fool him. You're not going to get nothing past him. You say, well, yeah, I, 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 really? 
I kind of feel like you treated me like a goodwill box, right? You just dropped off stuff you didn't want anymore. You just gave me leftovers after you did whatever you wanted to do. Or maybe he's going to say, I can't believe how much you gave. I can't believe believe the way you sacrificed. You could have got that new car, but you didn't get that new car because you wanted to help the kingdom of God expand, you know? And we're going to give it a cat. Oh, your abilities. You know, he's going to say, hey, did you... I'm glad you use your abilities to provide for your family, but did you use your abilities to build up my kingdom any? And, and, and again, I'm going to stand before him, and you're going to stand before him, and, and I'd be amiss not to tell you and to warn you to say, hey, it, it's going to feel a whole lot better to say, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I did the best. I, I, I took what you gave me, and I used it for you the best that I could, right? Not perfect, but doing the best that you can. Yeah, because... And it matters how we invest, and it matters our stewardship, because there's basically only two results, punishment and penalties. Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the bags of, 10 bags of silver. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not going to say much about that other than that does not sound like a good time. Raise your hand if you want that to be your future. Yep, sign me up. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. I'm there. I want to go to the outer darkness. That sounds like me. You know, I, I, I sleep better at night anyhow. No, I don't think so. I don't think we want that result. All right, but are we heading towards that result? I, I don't know. God knows. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I know me, and I don't want to hear that. Or a great reward. And all the work you are doing, work the best you can, work as if you're doing it for the Lord, for, not for people, since you know that you will receive inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You know, financial planners are always, you know, the older you get, you get crazy stuff in the mail, right? Hey, by the way, I got a, there's a lunch for people to talk about here in a seminar on cremation this week. Anybody wants to go to lunch with me, it's a free lunch. We can go hear about being cremated. You get old, you get weird stuff like that. I don't think they send that to young people, right? They sent that to me this week. Yep, I'm getting old. They're going to talk about cremation with me, but they're going to throw in the lunch. All right. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, but, 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 but financial planners like, okay, you get this thing, you got to come get old, you got to retire. How much do you need to retire securely for X number of years, right? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. To have security. But, but how about having security forever, right? Have we, have we made our investments to make sure that, that, that we have security, not, not for 40 or 50 years, but for eternity? You know, you know I, I think that would be wise, right? To have eternal security. And, and, and see, it, it's just twofold reward we get when we give God our best. Now, one, he's, he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Can you imagine? Well done. It was hard. You got tired. Things came against you. You wanted to quit, but you kept going. You kept going. It was hard. You pushed through every mountain. You didn't let it get to you. Well done, my good and faithful daughter. Well done, my good and faithful son. Come and share your master's happiness. Oh, man. In this perfect world, right? that's, That's a great reward. But there's also a reward now. A life life of amazing awesomeness is what it says in my notes. I mean, just imagine 
The things we will see, the lives we will touch, the resources we will unleash, the joy and fulfillment we will experience, the hungry we will feed, the captives we will set free, the broken that we will help put back together, the hurting we will heal, the hopeless that will find hope, the lonely that will find belonging, the lost that will find salvation. If you and I will will strive and practice to do our best for God and give our best to God, I mean, we could be part of something great and magnificent because our God is great and magnificent. Amen? I mean, just imagine. Just imagine. And he's worthy. And the the bands are going to come up, and I'm going to read out of Revelation chapter 5, and then we're going to sing a song. Because sometimes I think we can forget how worthy he is. John writes, beginning at at verse, I think it's verse 6. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchase for God persons From every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands. Ten thousand times ten thousand. That's a hundred million. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every living creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worship would you stand and pray with me father god worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy are you god of everything that we do and god we've been talking We've been talking about giving you our best and doing our best for you because you're worthy. And sometimes, God, we forget it. And we give more of our excellence, more of our time and our talents and abilities, the things that are temporary than things that are eternal. 
And for that, we repent. And for that, we say we're sorry. And for that, we say you deserve better. You deserve better from us because you did not hold back for us. And Father, I pray as we sing this song right now that we can just picture ourselves being in that great multitude from every tribe and nation and people with those hundred plus million angels praising the one who sits on the throne, who's worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.